Hello and welcome to Feminist Fridays, your weekly intersectional dose of self-empowerment and equality. I'm your host, Sarah Liberty, coming to you from Sydney with great relief. And this week we have a guest who is a business speaker with a focus on gender inclusivity. His name is Jacob Aldridge and he's going to speak to us today about his journey from being an arrogant, masculine, successful man who suddenly realised that he wasn't always right and is now on a path to rectify that. I know you're dying to meet Jacob, but before we do, we're going to kick off with a track by Jerry Halliwell. You know you want it, called It's Raining Men.
Hey, Jacob. Welcome to Feminist Fridays. Best kind of Friday. No, it's good to, good to be here and, and very good to have the opportunity to have this conversation. Indeed it is. So let's kick off where I'd like to know where you grew up and what your earliest memory is. I'm a Brisbane boy, mm-hmm. a child of uh, uh, two very, very wonderful parents, and my earliest memory is actually their wedding, oh. which sounds like a sounds like a bad joke. You know, I went I went to the wedding with my father and came home with my mother, but uh, they they actually made it official when I was uh, just almost three years old. Oh. So one of my one of my earliest memories is a few little snippets of uh, what I understand to be their their wedding and their celebration that they had with their friends and family up here in Brisbane almost 40 years ago. What a lovely first memory that is. What a beautiful picture. Yeah, they were they were young young parents and a lot of the challenges that came with that, but as they got through those challenges, it certainly set us up nicely later in life to be much closer in age and, and therefore have a lot more in common with them than perhaps some people do with their parents. And a lot of the work I do comes from, yeah, the close relationship I do have with those two people. That's awesome. So let's talk about you're currently a business speaker and a business advisor, as well as being an author and all-round cool dude. However, I understand that this hasn't always been the case. When did you realise that you wanted to focus on gender inclusivity? Was it something that you witnessed broadly or was there an aha moment? I think I've always been an all-round cool dude, but absolutely I was dragged kicking and screaming to a degree like a lot of men into the gender conversation. I think I think there's a lot of change that we all want to see in the world and, and that perhaps it's best to choose the areas that we want to focus on and, and for whatever reasons early in my career, gender equality, gender balance wasn't wasn't a battle that I felt I'm passionate about, wanted to go down. But I had a real aha moment for me. Uh, About five years into the advisory work that I was doing, I was running a regular workshop on vision and strategy, two big concepts. And I'd run this workshop for a lot of different business owners. And I had this great exercise where I'd get them all up out of my office and we'd go walk on the street and I'd have them look off at the horizon on the distance and connect that back emotionally to their business and their life. And and people generally loved it. And I ran it one day and got feedback at the end from one of the participants that she said just really didn't connect with her. It just, there was no emotional connection. She wasn't sure what point I was making. Uh, And of course, being a fairly strong masculine energy kind of guy, my immediate thought was, well, you're wrong. That's your problem. (laughs) Nothing to do with me. And then I realized that the key thing that was different about her coming to my workshop was that she was a her. And absolutely, I'd had a number of women, women that I had worked with uh, for a long time, some of my best clients. When you scratch the surface, though, I realized that I was looking at gender, male and female, and not going to that next level of conversation around the masculine feminine energy. Some of the women I worked with are very masculine energy. And I fit in nicely. The work that I did around vision and strategy and growing the business fit really nicely with their worldview. And this woman had come along with much more feminine energy and challenged me to say, well, there's this whole other way of living, a whole other way of doing business. And Jacob, the work you're doing is not speaking to people like me. And and that was that was quite 
confrontational. And then once I got over the realisation that I wasn't perfect Mm -hmm. was the great opportunity for me to start thinking, well, what can I do differently to speak to those business owners, speak to those uh, mostly women, but speak to those feminine energy leaders? And how do I integrate that into my advisory work, speaking work, so that every business can benefit from the masculine and the feminine? That's fascinating. Are you still in touch with the woman who got you to have that realisation? I am not. I uh, took a took a fair while to really unpack and process mm. that experience. And, and then I, I took my business overseas. I was based in London and Europe for several years. Uh, so I had uh, lost, lost touch and lost a lot of the, the database and connection. Uh, but perhaps she's listening today and thinking, I've heard that name before. He gave that really dreadful workshop I went to 10 years ago. Well, I do hope that you guys connect again because she sounds like a very pivotal person in your career, but we'll move along. So you now do focus on gender inclusivity and speak about the way that most business today, uh, like you've touched on, is quite dominated by masculine energy with limited recognition of feminine energy. What are these energies you speak of? Can you share a little bit more about what they're about and what they have to do with business? Absolutely. Uh, and it, it is that, you know, moving beyond the male and the female, which is very much an either-or paradigm. Even mm. in the modern, very flexible world, we are uh, often pigeonholed into one of those two genders. And obviously there are more than two genders, but yeah. for the vast majority of people, that's that's the binary distinction that we have. Mm. Going to the masculine versus the feminine energy shifts that from an either or into an and because we all have masculine energy and we all have the feminine energy. It's just that we tend to be a bit more stronger and more connected with one than the other. I'm, I'm quite a masculine energy kind of guy. So the masculine energy is uh, it's competitive, it's analytical, it's uh, the sense of purpose in life coming from the big mission. You know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hunt the kangaroo or I'm going to build the enormous business or I'm going to achieve whatever objectives I am and that's going to give me freedom, that's going to make me happy. My growth as an individual comes from that challenge and living in that future space. The feminine energy is much more present-oriented. It's much mm. more around the search for love and intimacy in the here and now. It's compassionate. It's more emotional. Uh, it achieves the personal growth there much more from support and praise. It doesn't need to be 10 years in the future when where the largest cryptocurrency exchange company in the world. It, it's something that I can focus on now working with my team. And we all have a bit of both. Sometimes we get pulled into, we really want to be more in that feminine energy of sitting there being supported. Sometimes we all want some of that masculine drive to go out there and change something in our lives or achieve something different. Most business is built around the masculine. This is some of the systemic sexism that exists in the modern world is that businesses historically, like so much of society, was built for men, by men, and therefore reflects the masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And when you go into most business training, you go and do an MBA, a lot of that literature is what's the vision? What's the long-term strategy that you're going to build for the business? How are you going to achieve great things at some point in the future? 
And if that's the conversation that you're having as a leader in your business, is it any wonder that the feminine energy that's sitting in the business disconnects? And then if we look at that on a macro scale, where most people who have feminine energy identify as women, is it any surprise that so many women check out of the corporate world, check out of the business world, hold back some of their entrepreneurial passion? Because every time they look at business, they just think, that's, that's not me. That's not how I want to get up and live my life today. You've got me thinking now. So it's kind of like I'm curious about like labelling the energies as masculine or feminine because like you've mentioned or like I think we're going to talk about, everyone has a bit of masculine and a bit of the feminine in it. And maybe we just don't, maybe we're just not kind of conscious of it. Maybe that's the point I'm trying to make. There's definitely a little bit of controversy around that. And I, I didn't conjure up, you know, this is a lot of research that's been done in a lot of different societies over a long time, particularly, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the research that I've tapped into in the, the Western world over the last 20 or 30 years. So I didn't coin the, the masculine or, or feminine. That's the, the language of the research and the literature. And, yeah. and I think it does serve a purpose challenging us around masculine is most often found in men. Yeah. Feminine is most often found in women. It helps us bridge that connection. I, and it, it's a question I get a lot when I do speak on this topic or you know, off the back of a book I put out on this last year, where people do say, oh, well, you know, wouldn't it be better if you made the language a little more inclusive? I think part of the, the breakthrough that I think business and all of us who work need to see is, uh, is enhanced by the, the confrontation of going, well, it, it is masculine and feminine. And, and that helps you understand it. And, and if that is confronting, well, that's probably a good thing for helping discuss and, and identify how you need to, to maybe change as an individual or be more aware as an individual. Mm. I think the next point I'm trying to get at is, okay, so now we do have more of a realisation that we both, we have, most of us probably got a fair bit of both, but one might be more dominant. How can we tap mm. into these energies um, in our daily lives and in our business or our careers? Like so much, it, it comes back to some self-awareness. And I ran through fairly briefly some descriptions there. People can absolutely get, get Googling and go down the rabbit hole if they want to learn a little bit more or watch some more videos or, or, or to help understand. It's having that opportunity to sit there in uh, quiet space or a meditative space and, and just check in with yourself and think what what drives me, what energises me, what makes me happy? Uh, is it that quest, the, the challenge that I want to overcome, the growth that I want to achieve by doing something different? Or is it more around intimacy and connection? Is it more around that connection with other people and the connection with self in the present? What, what energises me? What am I looking for? And that will probably give you an idea of, of which might be more dominant for you. And then the, the follow-up question to ask is, well, when, when have I sought the opposite? So again, I'm a you know, fairly masculine energy man. As I said, I sort of came kicking and screaming into the realisation that other people were different. Um, but I can still reflect on many points in my life where I, I absolutely needed that hug. I needed that presence. I needed to just be here with me in an ambiguous unpredictable space and, and just feel comfortable with that. And, and that's a big part of the, the positive, healthy, feminine energy. Mm. I'm just thinking about myself. You've made me really think about myself. I think I'm someone who has a lot of masculine energy, but I try 
very hard to be, to use the feminine energy because I'm quite often trying to remind myself, let's just be present. We don't have to go and climb a mountain right just yet. Um, Perfect example. Yeah. Uh, and there's no right or wrong. Both of them can be healthy. Both of them can be unhealthy. Uh, and and sometimes we do need to not so much put on a mask, but you know we do need to tap into that other part of us in order to get an outcome or achieve something. And and that's okay too. The the challenge I see when I talk to business owners in particular is, uh, you know, the feeling that they they have to do it the masculine way. They have to have the be hairy, audacious goal, uh, <laughs> or otherwise then they're not really being serious about business. And that's complete rubbish. Mm. Mm. Okay. So you're speaking about this publicly um, from my understanding, mostly in a sort of business career setting. How, what's the response been like? And how do you know that you're helping to create change? It, it is something I love the opportunity to get up in front of a room of people, particularly, you know, I'm six foot two. I'm uh, Ooh, okay. A big, a, a big guy. You yeah. get a big guy who gets up and says, "Right, let's talk about the importance of the feminine energy in business." And it and it can be a little confrontational. I love it. Uh, I remember the the first time I did uh, this this presentation, and I shared the vulnerability at the the start of it. That you know, I was glad to note that the the speaker mix there are actually slightly more women on that conference than than men. So I, uh, you know, but asking myself, am I taking a speaking slot away from uh, a, a woman? Uh, who could be up here having this conversation and then recognising that there's a lot of power in having a man talk about this. And and men do have a lot of systemic power in our world. And so if the people with power, like we're the ones who need to change hmm. because we have the power to facilitate that change. And and someone put their hand up at the end for questions and uh, she said, look, when you got up, you got introduced, you, you walked up on stage and I thought we're going to have this guy mansplaining feminine energy to us for <laughs> 45 minutes. And I'm sitting here at the end and I can't think of anyone better to hear that message from. So that was incredible validation for me that I had had someone who was resisting me being the messenger and then realised the, the opportunity there. The, the challenge for me around spreading this message as a speaker is that I still feel I'm a lot, I'm talking to the choir, preaching to the choir, so to speak. Yeah. Um, because I, I go to these, you know, women-led business events or I go to conferences that are majority women for, you know, whatever reasons in the community, the association that they've created or the business they built, they love hearing this message. What I've got to do with my business is go, how do I get in front of more men? How do yeah. I get in front of more masculine energy businesses and teach them that there's a way that respects their approach but could perhaps be more inclusive and solve some of the gender inclusion diversity challenges that they're having. And I, I, uh, I can't say I've, I've cracked that nut to be able to have what I think is a critical conversation with the actual people that I think really need to make the change. Yeah, I, I would be curious to see what the reaction is like if you were to go and speak in front of a, a men's or men's fo football team or something like that. Yeah. You know, you might get some really great. I'm sure you get a great response, but um, I, I think so. I, I I think it's I think because we all have part of it. I think that's yeah. where a lot of the gender battle gets lost in in particularly business. I can speak to business. You know, 15 years of advising businesses, and um, 
it it does get very us and them. It gets well. Why why should we give a promotion to a woman? You know, shouldn't we give it to the the person who's best qualified? And, yeah. and that completely ignores the systemic sexism and, and a whole lot of that sort of challenge. Um, but on the surface, seems like a reasonable defence that a lot of people put out there because it's it's an either or, as opposed to well, the and is hey Bob, you've got some part of you that is compassionate, that is emotional, that's not getting serviced by this business. So let's let's make sure the business is structured to help that part of you. And in doing that, that's also going to support more women. And we're going to be able to solve some of the gender issues without needing to make it an us and them battle where women can only succeed if men fail, because there's no way you're going to get some men to change if that's how they view the dynamic. Mm. Just talking about this um ideas going back to you're talking about conferences and how you're talking about the lineups and how you kind of have spoken to women dominated conferences uh, male dominated conferences and you get you know a certain type of reaction I'm curious to know what you think about gender quotas because there's people that are pro quotas would sort of argue that having that representation, uh, 50-50 men and women helps people who to identify. So women may, women who might be wanting to identify with leaders can do that by seeing a woman in a powerful leadership position. What do you think? I think it's pivotal. Don't, don't talk about me without me. Yeah. Uh, if you can see me, then you can be me. Yeah. Um, I had a really fantastic conversation late last year with uh, a woman who sits on a number of different boards uh, and official boards, not you know the kind of quirky small business advisory boards. She's sitting on ASX listed companies. And I, I had this conversation with her. Uh, I asked the question around, you know, you're there because incredibly confident, incredible CV. Do you feel you get to bring all of you to that discussion? And she said, no, mm. that, that, Absolutely, she has fought to be there. Uh, absolutely, she sees that as being an important representation thing and you know, mm. setting the ladder back down and some of those conversations. Uh, but absolutely, she feels she's still got to sit there in the masculine energy space in order to uh, participate at that level of a business. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, it's something like three out of four company directors in Australia are men. So I think quotas can be part of the conversation. Mm. I think absolutely. If you look around and, you know, you've got a, a photo of every CEO, the history of the business, and they're all pale, male and stale, <laughs> then you've got something you need to do. And quotas can be a great way of kickstarting that. If you're not willing to actually benefit from the difference that women bring or that other minorities bring to the discussion, then you're just paying lip service, whether it's quota or not. When you want people to be there at the table, you want all of them. You want all yeah. of their difference. You don't just want them there pretending to be one of you. Amen. You know, I think I might have to borrow some of your sayings. They're very good. I haven't heard old male and stale before, but I do like that one. I um, call it R&D, yeah. Sarah. Rip off and duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard them from someone else. Okay. So apart from listening to this podcast, um, what would your advice be 
perhaps to other men out there who are wanting to tap more into their feminine energy? Are there any sort of top tips that you might have? I mean, somewhat self-promotional. I, I will mention the, the the book that I worked on last year, which is called Visionary Male Leaders, yeah. uh, which you can you know kind of do the, the searching for if people are interested. What I loved about that was that was 15 men, all of us in different leadership positions, advisory positions, writing about tapping into the masculine energy, tapping into the feminine energy, particularly in leadership, mostly business, but other forms of leadership uh, manners. And we absolutely had some pushback around well, why they're only men writing this book. And similar to me being the big guy who gets up to talk about feminine energy, we felt that there was something about men sharing our experience that would resonate more with other men. Mm-hmm. And and just having the, this is a whole lot of men writing it, edited and, and supported by a very, very competent uh, female editor of the lad. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something about the fact that this is all men that, that we hoped would help break through some of the, the stigma. So there's some excellent messages in there, including some of my practical thoughts. The broader thing comes back to a lot of emotional development. And one of the reasons why so many men don't change is that the system works for us. Mm. We're not aware unless you have that experience I did where a woman is strong enough to, to put a hand up and say, that didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not aware that the system is stacked in our favour. Mm. We have our experience, we have our energy, we have our preferences, and we go, well, this is how the world works, right? Because when every time I look around, the world is working my way, so that must be the way. And so I would challenge anybody who ever finds themselves in a situation of thinking that this way is the only way to, to question that assumption, and especially for men in leadership positions uh, to have a think about, am I tapping into my feminine energy? Am I supporting other people who may have uh, primary feminine energy, or at least everyone has some of those characteristics? Am I supportive of that? Or am I just pushing my preferences on my organisation? And and how is that holding me back? Because you will get some confronting answers asking yourself that question. Great advice. So my next question is, as this is a feminist segment and podcast, I'd like to just ask how feminism has been a part of your journey in any way. Remember, I was a, I was a high school debater oh. and um, uh, argue, argue both sides of the, the, the coin at a yeah. moment's notice. Mm. Uh, and I was sitting in the, the trials for the, the state level debating to try and make the Queensland debating team. And we had a topic on... Uh, the, the importance of feminism in the modern world oh. you know, was it still was it still relevant? Um, really? And I was uh, a team of three uh, with two other girls, you know, that I um, uh, had had gotten to know through that process, and I realised just how little I knew of first wave feminism, second wave feminism, the feminist movement, the influence that it had on changes, structural changes in society uh, and, and the challenges that were still facing us. And this is 25 years ago. Mm. And, and my education or boys' school hadn't touched on this. Uh, and I think that does a lot of men a disservice, that they, they don't really appreciate just how much of a battle feminism has had to be over the last, well, you know, particularly the last 120, 150 years. Uh, and once you start to appreciate that, 
then you can start to really recognize the systemic challenges and you know you can start to call out the the misogynists that are still out there and you can start to go well how do we deal with some of the genetic realities of childbirth and child rearing and and, and some of these kind of things but you can start to sit there and, and and think if there has to be this feminist movement if there has to be this community that's coming together to change things or well, surely that tells us that things are not working mm-hmm and whether we fully appreciate and understand what's not working, there's an opportunity. And as I said, the, the people with the power are the ones who most have the power to change. And that's what I'm trying to do in, in my little way. And, and undoubtedly, I've benefited from a lot of those feminist changes from you know, the support, the, the, the society my mother had was very different to the one my grandmother had. It made her a stronger woman. It made my wife a stronger woman but it also helps me as a human who has a lot of these things in common with all women to know that that change has been there and to recognize that there's still a lot more we need to shift and to ask well whether it's my primary passion or whether it's just something that i want to contribute to how do i help contribute to that change in whatever way i can um so i'd like to know did you win the debate i i I cannot even remember. I, 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 I don't think we did. You were too busy and just pondering. I, and I did, not, I did not get picked for the Queensland debating side uh, and whether or not that was a determining factor, I, I don't know. It certainly didn't look good on me how little I was able to contribute in, in that space at, at that point. Uh, so it, it, it may well have ruined my opportunities to, uh, to go and be a, a, an international-level debater just because I, I, I was an ignorant young man. Oh, well, <laughs> I think things turned out okay, though. So I've just got one final question for you. Where can my listeners find you, follow you, connect with you if they want to support your work or to tap into either their masculine or their feminine energy? So feel free to plug away website, social ah. media, anything else you'd like. We know you've got a book. Yes, yes. So if people Google visionary male leaders, uh, they'll find my website, they'll find all good booksellers where you can grab that on Kindle or hard copy. And my websites, all my social handles are Jacob Aldridge. I have a very clear real name policy when I go out to social media to take all of me and be transparent about who I am, flaws and all. Uh, and that gives me the opportunity to, to lead somewhat by example and, and also to just be open and available for connection. And certainly if uh, you know, people go to my website and read up on the book and, and there's some links there as well to some other works, articles, videos and books that dive deeper into the, the research of the opportunity that the masculine and feminine energy conversation really has. And if anybody does want somebody to come in and, and speak to their organisation about how we can maybe approach the gender diversity conversation a little bit differently with a little more inclusion and less battle, to maybe get more of the pale male and stale leaders in the business to make the change and to make practical change, that's where I really focus, uh, then I'd love to, to yeah, have the opportunity to come and share this work with your organisation and, and one organisation at a time just start to make the world more inclusive for all of us. Yay, and that's what we want. 
Um, I really hope lots of people do connect with you because it sounds like you're an incredible speaker who's definitely driving some change. So thank you so much, Jacob, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And you've had some incredible business people on the podcast and some incredible messages from from great leaders. Uh, it's a, an honour to be part of that cohort and to share some of this message with, uh, again, people who, who want to hear this uh, and hopefully people who can hear that there are some of us at least who are fighting for the change we need to see in this space. Well, we have just served you another gender-inclusive episode of Feminist Fridays for this week. But before you head off, here's a track by The Killers called The Man. So get loose, get crunk and enjoy. Enjoy.